The KXAN News Podcast is sponsored by Shelf Genie. A packed hearing for a bill that could open the door for parents to use public money for private schools. The momentum behind education freedom is real and it's not going to stop. We dig deeper into the plans and the potential impact on public schools, how people on both sides are making their case. A showdown at the Capitol over tax cuts. We have an opportunity here to provide the largest tax cut in our state's history and we should certainly do it. House members passed their plan for property tax relief, while the lieutenant governor says the Senate will shut it down. Lawmakers push to cut the cost of prescription drugs by importing them from Canada. Texas tried this before and got blocked in court. We look at what's different this time. Produced from the Capitol in Austin and airing statewide, this is the award-winning State of Texas. Hello and thank you for joining us. I'm Josh Hinkle. Hundreds of people packed a hearing Tuesday at the Capitol. They came to speak for and against a House plan to fund education savings accounts. The House Committee on Public Education heard more than 900 people. The bill could open the door to letting parents use public money to pay for private schools. Testimony lasted more than 10 hours, and at the end of it, the committee left the bill pending. But as Ryan Chandler shows us, the debate is far from over. Here with hundreds of other parents, they want to be empowered with the freedom to make the best educational choices for their own children. Another packed house at the Texas Capitol as the debate over education savings accounts enters its next phase. Uh, we all want what's best for our kids, and what's best for our kids is to have access to good quality public education. The latest proposal from Wichita Falls Representative James Frank would create education savings accounts to subsidize private education expenses with state dollars. Parents should have as many options as possible and great schools in Texas will continue to flourish. It's similar to the bill the Senate already passed, but with some key differences. The Senate's Parental Bill of Rights would give $8,000 per student to transfer out of public school. The House version would offer almost 30% more, $10,300. Under the House bill, students already in private school would qualify for half of that amount. The Senate's bill limits it to only current public school students. The biggest difference between the House and the Senate, though, is how willing they are to support this proposal at all. Even if this bill makes it out of committee, the House is at least two dozen votes short from sending it on into the Senate. That's not stopping the biggest supporters of education savings accounts from pushing forward, though. We creamed them. This was a major victory. School choice advocates frame the House vote that blocked money for ESAs as a victory highlighting how 29 legislators flipped their support for the measure since last session. And it's a long road ahead before one of Governor Abbott's priority bills gets to his desk. Ryan Chandler, State of Texas. Legislation in the House is still pending, but the Senate has already approved a plan to let some parents direct state dollars toward private school tuition and other services like tutoring. School leaders across the state have been speaking up about possible ripple effects for public schools. Investigator Kelly Wiley takes us to Seguin, Texas, where the superintendent fears lawmakers are considering legislation that would deal a financial blow to an already strained system. More than an hour away from the Texas Capitol in rural Guadalupe County, Seguin ISD Superintendent Matthew Gutierrez is worried about how new legislation will impact his 13 campuses. He and other Texas superintendents have been speaking out for months on social media and in front of lawmakers. This session is, is really an opportunity 
to bring the needed changes to public education across Texas. Unfortunately, there are some actions that would be detrimental to the public education system in Texas that, that are concerning. Gutierrez runs a school district of just over 7,000 students. The district prides itself on its career college and military readiness program. Oh, you see this red line there? But much like the rest of the state for the last several years, Gutierrez has been working through a staffing crisis. I feel like there are efforts right now to dismantle public education in a variety of ways. Education spending accounts, which would fund private schools, private schools that would be immune from the accountability that exists with public schools, from state assessments, from financial transparency, uh, from public information requests, from open meetings. There's a lot of accountability in place in public schools that doesn't exist in a private school. They can have selective enrollment. They do not have requirements to educate students who are special education or emergent bilingual. And that is absolutely unfair. Public school districts are funded in Texas based on attendance and enrollment. Some Texas school leaders say the introduction of a voucher-like program would pull money from an already underfunded system. Our Catholic schools but school voucher supporters like Jennifer Allman with the Texas Catholic Conference of Bishops that operates 250 private Catholic schools across Texas told lawmakers vouchers would not harm public schools. We estimate that 90% of our schools will participate and have the capacity to add around 20,000 students. Most students will continue to benefit from a public school education because of the many advantages offered in our public schools, including sports and extracurricular activities that are attractive to families. This is not a zero-sum game where private schools win and public schools lose. Senate Bill 8 proposing voucher-like programs would also give back $10,000 to public schools for every student that transfers out. But that provision right now only applies to small, rural school districts like Seguin ISD. We need to increase the per-pupil allotment so that one, we can keep up with inflation, we can raise teacher salaries, we can ensure that we have the staff to narrow the gap that, was, that existed prior to COVID, but has widened. The Texas Education Agency tells me it maintains zero data on private schools in the state. And while private schools do some type of testing, unlike public schools, they can choose whether to take the STAR exam and those scores don't factor into a state rating for those facilities. We did obtain TEA records showing in spring 2022, only 17 private schools in the state volunteered to take the STAR exam. Thanks, Kelly. Governor Abbott made education savings accounts one of his top priorities this session. He's answered concerns about the effect on public schools by promising that the state would fully fund public education, and he claims that ESAs would help all students. We've seen in states that have used education savings accounts, the education improved for the students and parents that use it, but also the education improved for the public schools that those students left. You heard the superintendent and Kelly's story talk about the state's struggle with teacher retention in recent years. Our team has investigated that issue this legislative session extensively and shared the stories of some educators who've left the profession. Online now, we have a link to that coverage in this story in the Texas politics section of our website.
Property tax relief is a bipartisan priority at the Capitol, but there's a big dispute over how to get it done. We'll dig into what's behind the tension over tax cuts. There's a $1 tool that could help prevent deadly fentanyl overdoses, and it's illegal right now in Texas. Why there's new progress to change that law. Progress on a plan to make sure more Texans have access to mental health care. How a package of bills aims to improve options in rural communities. Thursday, senators passed a bill that aims to improve mental health care in rural communities. It's one of several bills with the goal of making sure Texans have access to care. Capitol correspondent Monica Madden looks deeper into the proposals. Anytime that we invest in, in the mental health care of our population, we're making an investment for our future. Everyone agrees there's a need to improve mental health care access, especially in rural Texas communities. Dr. Steve Bain leads the Institute for Rural Mental Health Initiatives at Texas A&M in Kingsville. But it's not that rural people have more issues as much as it is rural people have less resources uh, at their disposal. It's why lawmakers are proposing investing three and a half billion new dollars into the system. That will go toward fixing and building new facilities and adding more beds. It takes years sometimes to build a hospital, and this is step a big step too, but this should be ongoing because our population continues to grow. This is 2014. Dr. Bain's research points to another problem, getting enough mental health care workers. All the counties in Texas uh, are considered mental health health provider shortage areas. I asked the bill's author about this. And are there other things that the legislature is also working on to address just the reasons behind those shortages? There's a, a pay raise uh, for our state support living centers and the workers at our state hospitals, and it's 39.73%. Additionally, she points to another bill the Senate passed that will create a loan repayment and grant program for nurses. A perfect plan, maybe not yet, but I can tell you it's a plan and it's a way forward. Monica Madden, State of Texas. A showdown at the Capitol over tax cuts. Well, we can negotiate on just about everything, but I do not negotiate on bad math. House members pass a plan for property tax relief. Why the Lieutenant Governor says the Senate will shut it down. A plan at the Capitol aims to cut the cost of prescription drugs by importing them from Canada. Texas tried this before and got blocked in court. We look at what's different this time. This KXAN News Podcast is brought to you by Shelf Genie. I'm Rosie Newberry from KXAN Studio 512. Considering replacing your kitchen cabinets? Struggling to find or reach things? Go to shelfgenie.com slash Austin. Shelf Genie designs custom pull-out shelves for your existing cabinets, adding convenience and value to the most used room in your home. Shelf Genie custom pull-out shelves, everything in reach. We have an opportunity here to provide the largest tax cut in our state's history, and we should certainly do it. The stage is set for a showdown at the Capitol over tax cuts. It comes after Texas House members approved their plan for property tax relief. The House plan would reduce school property taxes for homes and businesses. School districts would get more money from the state to offset the loss of tax revenue. But what's getting the most attention is the plan to tighten the cap on home appraisals. Right now, the state puts a 10% limit on how much a home's taxable value can rise each year. The House plan aims to control tax bills by cutting that cap to 5%. But Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick says that plan leaves many Texans behind, including senior 
senior citizens. He said the House plan won't get through the Senate. It's just the math. And, and the math doesn't work with appraisal caps. If they send the bill over, we're not doing appraisal caps. Period. End of story. Because they mean nothing to seniors and they mean nothing essentially to any homeowner in the state. The Senate's plan would give tax relief by raising the state's homestead exemption. That's the amount of a home's value that's exempt from property taxes. Right now, the exemption is $40,000. The Senate plan would raise it to $70,000. All 31 senators voted for that bill. The Senate bill also gives money to school districts to offset property tax cuts, but less than half of what the House proposed. Democrat Trey Martinez-Fisher tried this to push a compromise amendment to the House plan. The it matched the Senate's exactly homestead exemption and called for a lower appraisal cap to make up for the lost revenue. That amendment failed. In the end, 141 of the 150 members voted to pass the House plan. Capitol correspondent Monica Madden joins us to dig deeper into the differences between these two plans. So who benefits from the Senate plan versus the House plan? Josh, the Senate plan really focuses on homeowners, relief for them, especially those who are over the age of 65. Now, the House plan does also address relief for those homeowners, um, but the appraisal cap also benefits businesses and homeowners who have pro properties that are rapidly increasing in value, which is something that we've seen not just here in central Texas, but all across the state. Well, a few Democrats and Republicans voted against the House bill. Some of them were worried that the appraisal caps would lead to inequity. Why is that? Well, that's actually happened in other states, uh, specifically California in 1970. I spoke to Dale Kramer. He leads the Texas Taxpayers Research Association, and he explained it that some of the concerns people have are really when it comes down to those tightening of appraisal caps. Take a listen. With an appraisal cap, if I've owned my house and I've lived in it for 20 years, my taxes have been capped at a fairly low level, person moves into the neighborhood and buys the house across the street from me, our homes may be identical, but my property tax bill could be a third of what their property tax bill is, even though we're placing the same demands for public services. So Supporters of the bill, however, believe that the state really does need to be doing more to control those rapidly rising appraisals. They point to just how sharp those increases have been in recent years and pricing out people of their homes and businesses, Josh. For now, the House is sticking with appraisal caps. The Senate's going with homestead exemptions. Where do we go from here? Well, we're really at a true impasse between the two chambers. It's not really clear how this is going to end up being resolved between the two. Both sides have made property tax relief a priority, so we know they're going to get there some way. Just it's kind of a question of the differences in their details of how they think that's going to work out. They both set aside about $17 billion aside for tax cuts. So again, homeowners are going to end up getting some relief. It's just not clear how exactly that's going to pan out, Josh. This will be interesting to watch. Thank you very much, Monica. Thanks for having me. House lawmakers heard testimony Wednesday on a bill that would end the state's so-called dead suspect loophole. For years, we've investigated this loophole. It allows police to keep information secret in closed criminal cases that don't go through the court process, even when a suspect dies in police custody. El Paso Representative Joe Moody authored the bill. He says the need to close the loophole came into crystal clear focus after Uvalde. Moody cited video showing law enforcement in action released not by authorities, but by the House Investigative Committee on the Robb Elementary School shooting. The video you've all seen of that incident is only out there 
because Chairman Burroughs took the courageous step of announcing that he intended to release the video in violation of the law to get the truth out. If he hadn't, it would still be secret today, even for the families whose children never came home that day. Some members of the law enforcement testified against the bill. They cited concerns that unrelated and unsubstantiated allegations against officers could be made public. Moody says his bill is narrowly tailored and would not make past allegations public unless it pertained to a dead suspect. The House State Affairs Committee left the bill pending. Texas law enforcement tracks potentially dangerous street gang members, but state lawmakers are looking to reform the state's gang database as critics say it can target the wrong people and violate their rights. On Wednesday, the Texas House Homeland Security and Public Safety Committee discussed House Bill 230. It would require that people placed in the gang database be notified within 60 days, and it provides a way for people to be removed if they've been wrongfully added to the list. The bill also requires audits, and it would ban the list from being used to determine employment eligibility or limit a person's constitutional rights or impede their ability to get a state or federal license, permit, or benefit. The Texas Department of Public Safety said there are roughly 70,000 people in the database now. An audit from last year shows while DPS operates the list, the information is updated and maintained by law enforcement agencies. At the hearing, DPS acknowledged people can be put into the database without ever committing a crime, and that information is shared with federal authorities. The bill was left pending in committee. The Texas House votes to legalize testing strips that could help people detect fentanyl in their drugs. Similar legislation failed before. Why supporters believe now is the time to change the law. There's a $1 tool that could help prevent deadly fentanyl overdoses, and it's illegal right now in Texas, but that could soon change. The Texas House voted to legalize testing strips that could help people detect fentanyl in their drugs. Legislation like this has failed before. Our Grace Reader looks at why supporters think this time will be different. They've been 143 days. HB 362 has finally passed. Tuesday, the House of Representatives voted overwhelmingly to legalize fentanyl testing strips. The bill will now head to the Senate. Lawmakers say they expect to see support there, too. We've had great conversations, bipartisan conversations and bicameral conversations, so in both chambers of the legislature, and we think there's broad support for this common-sense policy that can save people's lives. It's something harm reduction advocates say is a step in the right direction, but doesn't go far enough. Meanwhile, an Austin criminal defense attorney who represents people charged with having or selling drugs laced with fentanyl says the people who sell fake pills often don't know that they have the deadly drug in them. Those who are arrested should be prosecuted vigorously and defended vigorously so that the system is fair. But empowering all Texans to test any pills that they may happen to purchase for the presence of fentanyl is going to save lives. Governor Greg Abbott has indicated he would sign the bill into law if it got to his desk. Travis County Judge Andy Brown, who's been advocating for the strips for more than a year, says if that happens, he's going to immediately work to get the strips to the right people. He pointed to a medical examiner's report due to be released in the next few weeks. Everything I'm hearing is that it's it, we have not solved this crisis yet and that people are still dying in increasing numbers uh, from opioid-related deaths and especially with from fentanyl deaths. Grace Reader, State of Texas. 
We told you previously that some organizations were shipping drug testing strips into Texas regardless of state law. Those strips were delivered by mail from one of the nearly 20 states that have legalized the strips. House lawmakers also approved a plan that could cut the cost of the drugs you get from the pharmacy by bringing them from north of the border. A bipartisan bill approved Wednesday would allow the import of prescription drugs from Canada. Costs there are much lower than in the United States. Pharma groups have raised concern about the safety of importing drugs. Supporters point to requirements in the bill for testing by the FDA and the need to cut costs for patients. I am totally pro-business, but I am pro-free enterprise and a functioning market. And this is not a functioning market. Texans are having to choose between their medications and their rent. They're having to choose between their medications and their groceries. We can fix that with this bill. This bill will now head to the Senate, where Lubbock Republican Charles Perry plans to help push the bill through. Texas actually passed a similar bill back in 2005, but before the law could take effect, the FDA told the state that it was against federal law to import prescription drugs from Canada. Greg Abbott was the state's attorney general at the time. He issued an opinion agreeing with the FDA, and the Texas law never took effect. The federal landscape has changed in recent years, though. Back in 2020, President Donald Trump encouraged states and the federal government to bring in lower-priced drugs from Canada. And when President Joe Biden took office, he ordered the FDA to work with states to develop those programs. Now, six other states, including Florida and Colorado, are working to implement programs to get drugs from Canada. Thank you again for joining us for State of Texas. I'm Josh Hinkle. We'll be back next week to bring you an in-depth look at Texas politics.